What in your life lays claim to your heart? What is the focus of your innermost desires? If it is not God and His kingdom, what is it? The injunction to seek first the kingdom of God is a practical daily reminder of the first great commandment to love God. As we seek after God's kingdom through obedience to Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, we will be able to stand with confidence and bear witness from our firm foundation, no matter the rains that fall or the floods that rise. I invite you to join us in our study and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. One way that I seek to put God first in my life is by keeping my eyes single towards Him. To help me really seek God on that daily basis, I really try to set aside time for myself. Once the kids are in bed, I make sure to read my scriptures, to say a prayer, to just spend some time conversing with Heavenly Father and talking about my day and focusing on my relationship with Him. As I seek to have God in my life, I'm able to have more peace and joy. When I really made that time, even just to drag myself off the bed and say a prayer, it really made a difference to how much I felt the Spirit throughout my days with my kids and how much peace I had at night just to be able to fall asleep. Welcome, everybody. My name is Ben Lomu, and I'm your host. Our gospel scholar for today is James Goldberg. James is a writer and historian at the Church History Department for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Welcome, James. Good to be here, Ben. And seated next to James is our special guest, Dr. Melissa Western. Dr. Western is an associate professor of accounting in the BYU Marriott School of Business, a recent convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a former collegiate champion pole vaulter. That's extremely impressive, Dr. Western. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. I'm excited to learn with you guys today. And we're excited to hear from your experiences and learn from you as well. And in addition, we want to welcome our studio audience. Thank you all for being here with us today. And viewers at home, thank you for joining us. Throughout this discussion, we'll invite you to share your experiences with us on Facebook and Instagram. For downloadable resources, visit byutv.org slash come follow up for more. So the basis of our discussion today will be coming from Matthew chapters six and seven. And the two topics we're going to discuss are seek ye first the kingdom of God and second, obeying the Savior's teachings creates a firm foundation for my life. James, you wanna get us started off on just giving us a little bit of background on these two chapters, where are we picking up as far as the storyline goes and so forth? Yeah, well, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount and I think the Mount is significant, right? I don't know where he was. <laughs> there was just maybe a little hillside, but they remembered it as a mountain to say this is equivalent to when Moses came down with the commandments. Okay. These teachings of Jesus mean that much to us. And here in Matthew chapter six, we're picking up at a time when Jesus is really aware of the kind of questions and concerns people are bringing and engaging with those, right? Letting them know, I, I see you, I see your worries, and let me tell you how to carry them. Okay. And so the, the topic for this discussion is seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I want to ask Melissa, what are some of the things in our lives that we are, are seeking after? I'm a convert to the church. And part of how I found the church was through a really hard thing. 
I went through a divorce in 2011, and I had grown up in um, a non-denominational Christian family. I kind of fell away from, from my Christian heritage, and I spent 10 years being agnostic, and at the end of that 10-year period was a divorce. And what it did is it really humbled me and opened my eyes to the fact that I was missing something. And so I knew enough to look to Jesus, and that's kind of what got me on the path but I sensed there was more. And I spent about a year praying on my knees, asking Heavenly Father. I was reading my scriptures at this point. I had prayed for repentance for my mistakes. Um, I was heartbroken because I had gone through a divorce and I did not want to be divorced. I sensed there was more, so I kept praying and praying and praying. And to be honest, I was a little frustrated. I'm like, <laughs> Heavenly Father, I'm here. I'm willing. Why aren't you showing me? I sense there's more. What do I do? And the Spirit directed me to pray differently. And I said, Heavenly Father, if you show me the path, I pre-commit. If you show me what I'm missing, I will do it. And it's super interesting because I already had a testimony of this Savior, so it wasn't like I lacked that. I just lacked access to power. And something amazing happened. I'd actually never experienced really personal revelation that I would describe as personal revelation. And in that moment, the Spirit whispered to me, I'm going to show you the path. I'm going to give you this knowledge that you're looking for, and you're going to get married this year, which to be honest was remarkable because I hadn't <laughs> been on a date in like three years. Um, but I want you to know, I didn't know anything about personal revelation. I didn't grow up in our church. I didn't know that was a thing. As I was praying and thinking about this, one thing that happened that was really, I think, profound is I was really afraid. So when I heard, like, I'm going to give you the answer, I thought to myself, like, what if it's hard? Like, what if I have to give up something? What if people make fun of me? And in that moment, I had to choose. Like, will I choose to follow Heavenly Father at all cost, Or will I be more concerned with how people will think of me? And it came, the light. And that year, I was baptized. I met my husband. He asked me to marry him on December 25th. <laughs> and like, Heavenly Father loves all of His children. And if we are willing to acknowledge when there's something missing, He can guide us. And I think I had Jesus, but I didn't have the kingdom in my life. I didn't have access to power and covenants, and now I do, so. That was amazing. When in your life have you really been looking or seeking after something? Fabiola. So when I was 20 in 2010, I was doing everything I can, living the gospel, and I still feel like something is missing. And I still looking, reading scriptures, try to get answered, going to the temple to get answered. And I didn't know what was, and then I, I prayed to God, and then I feel like I need to go to the mission. And I'm like, but why? But I feel sad because my mom was gonna be sad mm -hmm. if I leave her. But I went to pray and ask God mm -hmm. to let me know if that's exactly what I need to do. And I feel peace. So I get prepared and I, I went to my mission. Fabiola, that's a, that's a great example of what we're gonna be talking about today. And there's a couple of things she said that I kind of want to focus on is first, the recognition that something in your life was missing, even when things were good. There's just something is missing. And then the second part that I have really stood out to me was when you talked about how uh, sometimes you have to leave 
certain things, certain aspects of your life behind to seek after, you know, something uh, perhaps of, of greater of value. And I wonder, we're 2000 years away <laughs> from when Jesus was giving that Sermon on the Mount, but I don't think that much has changed, right? Yeah. If you think about all these people who have, who have left their villages and kind of wandered out to listen to him, how many of them were anxious about, what's my family gonna think? What am I getting into? But they felt that, that lack, that absence, right? They wanted something more. And so if you think of Melissa, and if you think of Fabiola, and if you think of all these people who came to Jesus, when he says, for example, in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you. They're right on that edge <laughs> of asking, right? I love too in your story that, that you talked about being ready yeah. and sort of that counting the cost that yeah. Jesus talks mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's real. Like living the gospel requires something of us, right? It's not a casual faith. And I, I'm happy that I consider that because since I've been baptized, I've had hard things, right? Yep. I've had a lot of struggles. It's, it hasn't been perfect. But the thing is, I, I desire that peace. And I, I felt Heavenly Father's love so much that it's carried me through. But it's important to consider what will it cost me? to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So James, you had mentioned in, in chapter seven is to seek specifically the kingdom. He tells us seek after yep. the kingdom. What is the kingdom that he's asking us to seek after? In chapter six, Jesus goes through lots of different concerns people might have. What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna wear? Mm -hmm. What are people gonna think of me? And then says at the end of chapter six in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so I think it's interesting, right? You had lots of questions about how's my life gonna work? Mm -hmm. How are my relationships gonna work? But you didn't go through to fix each of those individually. You said, show me the big thing. And we talked a little bit before we started about, yeah, what is this kingdom of God? And sometimes you think there's the kingdom of God in heaven, right? Am I trying to get back home? But when Jesus came, he really emphasized it's not just that. We're also looking for the kingdom of God on earth. Mm -hmm. This way of relating to each other, this way of living in God's righteousness. In the church, a lot of times we talk about Zion as this, this ideal way we're gonna live. There's a quote I love from Keith McMullen where he talks about, about this kingdom and recognizing it in our worship. And he said, this kingdom is not a Sunday only experience. So it is church, but it's more than church. Mm -hmm. It's not limited to callings or meetings. This church is not like a set of clothes used to dress up on the Sabbath, then laid aside for more casual attire as quickly as possible. The church or kingdom of God is a way of life. Indeed, it is the substance of life. In harmony with our covenants, it should accompany us wherever we go. Because that's a universal concept that everybody can, can seek after the kingdom of God, whether you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or not. But what he adds to that is uh, in harmony with our covenants adds power to seeking the kingdom of God. Just because you make covenants doesn't mean that you sought after the kingdom of God. It's in harmony yep. with those covenants you make that's how you truly can seek after and receive that fulfillment that Christ is offering to us. Yeah. 
this reminds me that the day that I was baptized, the, the biggest thing I noticed was power. Because I feel like I had been seeking the kingdom of God for a long time, but what I lacked was an understanding of how to do the things that I needed to do to draw close to Heavenly Father and the power to like discern and to act. And it was so noticeable. That's actually the thing I wrote in my journal. Like my covenants gave me access to power and to light to direct my path. I love that you brought that up because mm -hmm. one of our viewers sent a question in that relates to what you just said. Let's watch and see what he has to say. Hi, my name is Colin and I'm originally from Haiti. And my question is, how do I know that the choices I'm making are putting God first in my life? So how do we know? How do we know that we're putting God first as we are on this path to seek the kingdom? For me, I can tell you that it's motivation. When I am on the right path, I am almost like giddy with motivation. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. Even if it's something hard. I had a big decision to make soon after I was baptized. I had a, a choice about leaving my current employment or staying there. And if I left, I was gonna go to BYU. And on paper, I'm an accountant, so I of course did all the ticking <laughs> and tying. And on paper, it made sense that I wouldn't take a new job because um, it was a longer commute, lower pay, more work, <laughs> higher risk, <laughs> all the things that you wouldn't do. But as I got closer to making that choice, I felt very unmotivated and uninspired. And I mentioned to my husband, I, I think I need to go to BYU. And he's like, you do? And then as I was talking, I just felt excited. And it's almost as if Heavenly Father was giving me a glimpse of the future if I would act in faith. And so for me, it's that optimism, that motivation that helps me to know this is the path Heavenly Father would have me to take. I would love to hear from the audience. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Colin's question about how we know the choices they were making are helping us to put God first? Lay. Yeah, um, let's go back to the basics, like prayer in the morning, in the midday and at night. Um, every time I do that, you know, I, I have this, uh, I gain this power. Along with that, uh, reading the scriptures every day. There was this one time on a Sunday that I was so busy uh, in the morning before church, like I'm doing a lot of things and I had a strong impression from the Spirit and told me like, it was like Christ saying like, put me first. He said like that to me. And then I was like shocked and like, oh yeah, I'm, it's a Sunday, it's your day. And I should have been like just following you and uh, preparing myself for you. So it's, it's always like a reminder for me, like, you know, every good thing comes from God. So everything that you will choose, you will know if it's a good thing and then do it because it's from God. Lay, thanks for sharing your experience with us. Eller Haight has a, a wonderful quote that sums up what we've been talking about as far as putting God first. He says, if we seek first the kingdom of God and live as we should, all the rest of life seems to fall into place and wonderful things happen. You young people who are wondering about going out into the world and making your way, bear in mind that other people too, who have used the gospel as a compass to guide them, have done pretty well. <laughs> Doesn't mean things are gonna be perfect, but things work out pretty well. Well, thank you both for sharing your experiences. And for those in the audience, thanks for participating. And for you at home, how have you continued to seek God first despite not always knowing his plan? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram.
I have built a firm foundation in my life by keeping a good routine and following the guidelines of what God has given us. As I've strived to build my life on the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have been able to stay strong and continue enduring to the end. For me, keeping my foundation strong depends upon my willingness to put myself in holy places. Like that's been something that's been on my mind a lot lately, stand in holy places. And I think when I do that, that's when I, you know, feel the spirit the strongest and when my foundation becomes stronger as well. So the second topic we're going to discuss is obeying the Savior's teachings creates a firm foundation for my life. So Melissa, do you want to start us off and talk to us, where does the Savior teach us about building a foundation upon that rock? Yep. So this comes in in Matthew chapter 7, um, verse 24. The Savior's teaching and what he says is that whoever heareth these sayings of his and doeth them, so he's talking about not just having faith, but actually keeping the commandments and following the Savior's teachings. He will liken that unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So I, I love these scriptures. The Savior is teaching us that we keep the commandments because there's something about keeping the commandments and doing what uh, we have been commanded that strengthens our testimony that we don't get when we just say, I acknowledge the Savior. Some transformation happens by keeping the commandments. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, this same kind of image of a contrast between two ways comes up multiple times in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Okay. First, Jesus says there's two paths and take the, the kind of narrow, steep one because the broad one just leads to destruction. Don't go down that way. And then he says, you know, there's, think of trees and plants. Some bear good fruit. Mm -hmm. Be a plant that bears good fruit and by the fruit, you'll recognize the plant. And the plants that don't bear good fruit, someday the gardener's coming through to weed it out and burn it, right? And then, yeah, you have this one. And this one, in some ways, almost feels like the most powerful to me because it's under you, mm -hmm. right? Storms are coming for all of us. Right. And are they going to reveal that we've got this solid foundation, that we're on a rock? Or is the world going to collapse under us and just wipe that house away? You've got those, those strong two-path stories. I mean, I have a lot of good examples because I didn't grow up in the church, right? So, so I lived a life that wasn't uh, consistent with the things that the Savior taught. I mean, not, not intentionally so. I wasn't intentionally disobedient. I just didn't know. But what good example is the word of wisdom? I did really love coffee. I was going to be baptized and I planned to give up coffee in a few weeks, right? <laughs> like after closer to my baptism. And they taught the word of wisdom and they said, you know, Melissa, will you commit right now? to live, you know, the word of wisdom. And I, I thought, oh, I'm gonna have to give up coffee tomorrow. But I thought, you know what? I just have to exercise faith. Heavenly Father has shown his love for me. So I said, yes, I will do it. And um, something pretty amazing happened. Like the next day I had a headache. It was hard, I consumed a lot of caffeine. Uh, the second day was better. By the fourth day, it was no problem. And I'm like 100% lived the word of wisdom, you know, since I committed to do that. 
But what's so interesting is since then, I've gained such a testimony of the connection between my health and how I feel and the spirit. So it's like, I didn't have a testimony that I shouldn't drink coffee until I kept mm. the commandment. And then I gained the testimony, had access to the faith. So I think part of how it builds a strong foundation is there's things that we don't quite understand, but Heavenly Father does. And keeping the commandments allows us to have the experience to, to learn. Like I feel better now that I don't drink coffee, but it gave me access to greater spiritual power. You know, I'd love to hear from the audience about how you have strengthened your foundation by obeying the commandments. Colin. I'm also a convert to the church. I was baptized when I was 18. Um, when I joined the church, I used to drink. So I was at the club every night. And after I joined the church when I was 18, my friends asked me, hey, how are you gonna come clubbing with us if you don't drink anymore? I told them, I mean, I will try and see how it goes. I actually had way more fun <laughs> when I stopped drinking. I wasn't using any um, alcohol and I had so much more fun just because I stopped drinking. I had to give up a lot for the church. I was never planning on serving a mission, for example. I, the mission president of the Bulgarian mission told me, hey, go serve a mission. It's going to bless your life, the life of your family. My branch president told me the same thing. Missionaries told me the same thing. And I said to them, no, I have my career going on in athletics. I'm not giving up my career because I've worked out so hard. Mm -hmm. And I started praying if I should go or not. And it took me about four months. I prayed every day if I should go or not go. I was still planning on continuing with my career. After about four months, I got an answer on my prayers that I actually had to leave everything behind and give up my career and go. And I never regretted that decision in my life because I've been blessed so much. I love this. We've talked about building on the foundation mm -hmm. or building on sand, rock or what sand. A you have that yeah. contrast right there with his life. And I love the idea that part of our lives are always built on sand. Mm -hmm. And if we're willing to let that part be washed away, we'll be blessed, right? And it's okay to just laugh <laughs> as that part of your life comes down to the, the tree image, right? If part of your life, you've worked on it so much, but it's not bearing fruit and you realize, now I've done something, I'm a different person, I see this, I can let that part go. And I can enjoy the, the good fruits that are coming now. I love your ability to let things go, to be the disciple and the person that, that Jesus wants you to be and is willing to let you be. What's it been like for you to kind of see your, the two parts of your life side by side? It was day and night, the difference between how I lived before and how I lived after. I don't think I would ever have education. I have now three degrees. When I joined the church, I was the first one to join the church. When my mom decided to join the church, I can see, we were talking about earlier about the word of wisdom, the difference between, for example, how my mom's health is compared to my dad's, mm -hmm. because my dad still smokes, he still drinks. My mom has, is a little older than him. She has way better uh, health. 
and she even looks better. <laughs> but like I said, I stopped doing what I shouldn't be doing. And because of that, my health has been great. My family is better off because of it. My life has been blessed because of uh, the choice I made to, to serve my mission. What an inspiring story. You know, you can immediately see the, the fruits of his decision come forth, you know, and, and the, what a life change. Thank you so much for, for sharing that experience with us. That was amazing. You know, we, we build on Christ as the foundation. We build these fruits and that changes not just your life, but the lives around you, right? And the lives of people coming after you. And so I love the recognition mm -hmm. of how those, those branches just keep growing and growing as your gospel living bears fruit. You know, Melissa, I listened to, uh, to one of your speeches and it was great. And there's something that you said in there about when you, you first met uh, your now husband, Mark, you didn't talk about religion at first. Will you explain that and, yeah. and why that was that yeah. you decided not to talk religion at yeah. first? So it relates to the Savior's teaching about knowing um, who loves him by the fruits of, of what they do. So when my um, now husband, who at that time was just a friend, when we started dating, I wasn't a member of the church, but I had a testimony of the Savior. And he was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I immediately wanted to discuss all points of difference in doctrine. <laughs> and uh, he was so wise and he said, not, we're not, I don't wanna talk about religion. Let's just spend time together and you can decide if you see anything in, in my life that would make you wanna you know, know more or spend more time with me. And it was so neat because what I did is I just watched. I watched how he interacted. I watched how he treated people who couldn't help him. But what I really noticed was the way he prayed. We would get down on our knees and pray, and I felt the Spirit and I felt power. So what actually motivated me to read the Book of Mormon and to watch General Conference with him is I said one day, okay, I'm waving my white flag. I have a testimony of the Savior and so do you, but there's something different when you pray the way you live. And I didn't know it at the time, it was the Spirit. It was like the power of the, of the companionship of the Holy Ghost. And I couldn't identify it because I didn't know what it was but I could feel it. So it was his fruits. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they motivated me to sit down and to listen because I could recognize something good in him that I didn't have. And look what it's done. Look how it's changed your life. Thank you so much for, for sharing that experience. Uh, I'd like to share a quote from Elder Hallstrom that talks about just the importance of having Christ as our foundation. He says, Jesus Christ is the rock upon which we must build our foundation. It needs to be more than what we sometimes think or even what we sometimes feel. It must become who we are. And I love how it really shows, that's, Mark was showing you who he is uh, by his actions. Mm -hmm. Our connection with God, our Father and his eternal plan and with Jesus Christ, his son and our rock needs to be so firmly established that it truly becomes the cornerstone of our foundation. How were you able to see that connection through Mark's prayers? Well, I mean, Mark prayed with power, right? And, and I could feel that. And also his prayers were very um, selfless and focused on the things that were meaningful and eternal. Um, and he had a great capacity to be forgiving of others, which I found to be really compelling. It's tricky in our modern world. You know, there's a lot of hard things and people are hurting a lot and they do, do things that might hurt us. And when he prayed, he prayed sincerely 
for other people. And I just thought that was amazing. And it, and it motivated me to want to learn more. You know, we talked in the first half about seeking the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And one thing that sunk into me as I was reading these chapters this week was how quiet mm-hmm. it is, right? Jesus says, don't make a big deal when you do charity, right? Just focus on it. That, that quiet, selfless power that, that just shows that we're grounded mm-hmm. is so significant. Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts with us and from the audience. Thank you so much for, for your experiences and your testimonies. As we've talked about these two topics, seek ye first the kingdom of God and obeying the Savior's teachings creates a firm foundation for my life. And for those of you joining us at home, up next is our footnote segment, where we'll take a closer look at the scriptures within their context and history. When I feel the Spirit, it's usually just a peace in my mind or in my heart. Um, I have anxiety on a daily basis and I'm medicated, but to really just feel that calmness throughout my chest really and the warmth, I know that that's usually a confirmation that I'm doing the right thing or I'm in the right place. When I get that voice in my head to, uh, to drink alcohol, because I've had some problems with that in the past, I just take a second and I hear the Holy Spirit in the back of my mind, like, don't, don't do it. Get a glass of water, and uh, he's never let me down. Listening to the counsel of the prophets and apostles, and especially just as I apply the teachings, I'm able to know that I'm doing the right thing, and the Spirit can confirm to me that I'm in the right place. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and we're looking forward to sharing the rest of our discussion with James and Melissa. So let's get started. Okay, so we're in the Sermon on the Mount and at the very end, I I feel like there's this sense of like, what did we just experience? (laughs) Of course, it's it's the Savior teaching. So I wanna kind of revisit like how he taught, what are some of the things he taught? Why was there this sense of astonishment? among those who saw him teach? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think sometimes the ways we think about Jesus or the difference in language can get in the way. And we don't understand what a, what a vivid live teacher he is till we stop and think. I, so actually my first book was a novelization of the story in the gospels, right? Putting it in scene. And one thing I'd hear from people after they read it was, I didn't realize Jesus was so funny, right? (laughs) Why'd you make him so funny? And I said, it's all right here, (laughs) you know? And to give just an example, if you didn't know these teachings before and you looked at Matthew chapter seven, um, verses three to four, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Um, and, and then, or wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. You hear that, the language is older, it kind of goes past, but if you imagine Jesus just grabbing a piece of wood, <laughs> right? And looking like this and say, oh wait, I think there's a speck of dust here. Let me, let me help you with the, oh Ben, I have noticed something about you and I'd like to have a discussion about your short sightedness. I think you have a problem. Do you want to take care of that? Absolutely, it's a great visual of how silly that would be. Yes, yes, silly, but vivid and extreme, right? And you would leave that going, oh man, is this one of those moments again, Mm -hmm. right? Am I that guy? Am I that guy? (laughs) Um, Talks about hypocrisy, 
a lot, right? And we think now that has an everyday meaning to us mm -hmm. because it's been used so much from Jesus, right? At the time, a hypocrite meant an actor, okay. right? Like that was somebody's job was to go up and be a hypocrite, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a performer. So if you think of Jesus saying, you know, sometimes, sometimes some of you have seen you giving charity and you got the mask on <laughs> and you read from the script and you make sure everyone can hear what a great person you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's this vivid way. And then I just imagine Jesus sometimes getting serious and saying, take this mask and put it down. No more script, right? But when you see some, see their needs, mm -hmm. speak to them. Don't worry about everybody else, you know? There's just a, a different vividness to that. I mean, even just you using these, uh, these props and illustrations, it's already my understanding is, is has been heightened uh, to what the savior is teaching. And so to imagine being there and watching him teach in the manner he did, I imagine it was so profound and, and life changing for some. Yeah, I mean, you think about if we try to modernize that teaching, right? We're all kind of actors now. We cast ourselves as the star <laughs> yeah. of this show we create on social media or whatever mm -hmm. else, right? Obviously people were doing it 2000 years ago, but if Jesus said, okay, put the phone down, right? I see you there, put the phone down. That's the kind of teaching that's sometimes happening. And that is highly relevant because we live in a very um, social world where we're posting a lot of what we do. And essentially, if you take, you know, this, the first part of, the, of these chapters, like chapter six, verse one through eight, he's talking about, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. So he's teaching, right? That we need to do good privately um, and not, well, I guess it doesn't have to be private, but we need to not do it to be seen. Mm -hmm. And you have this generation that is being raised where that's all they know. Yeah. And it becomes such a, a part of their life that you can see where the difficulty would be in separating that. You know, I, I've, I've seen so much where uh, there's so much of a preparation for, instead of preparing, for example, for a mission, we prepare to get, let people see um, me opening my mission call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or instead of preparing for, for strengthening an eternal marriage, we want everybody to see how we propose. <laughs> and so you have this perfectly manufactured proposal. You know, we do so much to be seen of the world. Now, for those of you that do that, I'm, I just, <laughs> as long as your motives are, you know, pure, but it's just the idea of, are you, are you doing good things for the good reasons and not just to be seen and say, look at me, you know, and, and make it all about ourselves. Yep. And I think too, sometimes maybe we misread Jesus, right? And try to divide the world into those hypocrites and, and us authentic people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus instead is noticing, this is just an aspect of human nature that you've got to watch mm -hmm. out for, right. right? That don't be an actor today. Don't be an actor in this moment, but do good for the sake of doing good. Yeah. And you know, your um, example with the wooden beam, um, and this scripture here, let me just read it and then I'll, I'll comment on it. Chapter seven, verse three, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye and behold, the beam is in thy, thine own eye. <laughs> so the, your visual is so good there, but, but what it says to me and like the way I interpret the scripture is, 
we have to be converted before we're in a position to help. And so if you think about it, I mean, a, a negative way of looking out, uh, pulling out the mode in your brother's eyes to say you're being judgmental, but a positive way might be, I might actually be trying to help Ben mm -hmm. or to help you, James. I might be motivated. But what the scripture is teaching us is, well, you can't actually be of as much help if we ourselves aren't converted to the gospel. And so start there. Yeah, that's true, right? And, and are we, have we really internalized those gospel ways of seeing so that we're not approaching with half our vision and going, I see your faults. Right. We need that depth of vision that says, I also see, see what's right in you and see the good things. We, we can only correct with both. Right. Well, I think we can all relate to that. We're more motivated to listen when we feel seen most of us, our weaknesses are endogenous. You know, they're, they're, you know, part of something else that's going on in our life. And so if somebody can notice that broader perspective, um, it's more motivating and helpful to us to, to be able to listen and to change. Yeah. I love to, you mentioned the judging, right? Mm -hmm. I asked my kids once, you should try this at home. What percent <laughs> of the time do you feel like I'm judging you? And I will not tell you what they said, <laughs> okay. but I will say it was pretty high, right? So I can't just measure by what I intend. I also need to keep in mind how they're gonna receive. Okay. Right. There's another really vivid teaching in chapter seven about judgment. Judge not that ye be not judged. In some translations, it's a little closer to condemn not that ye be not condemned, which I like. There's that difference we're gonna be making assessments constantly, but can we make them a little less final, yeah. right? Can we give people some room? And then verse two, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And I, I try to remember that, right? What are my measuring cups and when am I gonna use which? So if I'm upset and judgmental to my kids, maybe I do need to correct them but can I do it with the teaspoon, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Can I, can I give it gently? Can I remember there's other things going on in their lives instead of dumping, like I sometimes do in my impatience, the whole cup. And then when I'm giving praise, can I reverse, right? <laughs> and not be light and simple with it, but use the full measure. Because if I use the full measure to praise someone else, I will be able to feel God's love that way right? And if I'm stingy with my praise, a little voice in my head is always going to be saying, but are you really worthy? Right? Yeah. I, I think that's something that I've experienced, that these, these measures really operate that way. The way we treat other people and the way we're able to treat ourselves are so linked. So in relation to, to the Savior, um, to kind of use your, your measuring cup analogy as well, sometimes we feel like, okay, I'm going to forgive somebody this much, but I expect you to forgive me this much. <laughs> Whatever you dish out, you have to, you know, you can't expect a different result, you know, when you're basing your, your judgments on just a small little amount, but expect so much more to come back in your favor. And it, it seems like the Savior also paints um, a vision. So like in business, we talk about you need a vision it motivates people. And I feel like that's what the Savior did prior to, to his, you know, starting his ministry. It seems to me that much of the way that people practice faith was very rules-based and focused on doing certain things and characteristics. And the Savior comes and says, no, like, I want your heart. I, it's not enough to just, 
you know, not commit adultery. You have to not lust after people, mm-hmm. right? You have to be good in your heart. And he paints this vision, and it's it's very different. It's like a regime shift, but it's also, I mean, very motivating for those who could feel his power and his spirit. And I hope we can kind of relate to those people, right? Because they're trying to preserve their way of life and hold on to it, and there's a natural tendency to then really figure out, okay, what does it mean to hold on to this thing? And we're not different, no. right? Yeah. Living as a religious person in a larger society that sometimes goes, what are, what are you guys even doing? It can be tempting to, to say, I need my script, right? I'm trying to hold on to these practices. And so then, yeah, to go that next step and do, Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea a ton. When Hosea said, I want mercy, not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't just want those forms of what you're doing, but I want that heart and I want you to to give your heart to the people around you too. Yeah. So what are some of your other thoughts on what it means to truly seek after the kingdom of God? Yeah, I have have a few thoughts on that. Um, I was just looking through the scriptures. I have many highlighted from these chapters. (laughs) It's hard to decide. Um, But one... Are two verses that really resonated with me are in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And the Savior says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So he's saying, he's just reminding us there are lots of ways we can get off track. And oftentimes, when I was young, I thought, oh, it's just if you really like look for bad things, you'll get off track. Mm-hmm. But it's not true, right? I mean, we could get off track, by trying to do something good, but it's just not the right thing, or we just got a little bit over-consumed by it. And then the Savior goes on in verse 14 to say, because straight is the gate, and there is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So I feel like I looked a long time before I found the gospel, and I tried lots of things, yoga, <laughs> meditation, and actually some of these things do help you. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're great things. But it, it wasn't enough. And, and what I missed was that, that narrow path, that covenant path. Mm-hmm. And part of why we need that is you think about the challenges we face, you need access to heaven in a way to see how to get there. And um, th- that's one thing that really resonated with me in these scriptures is that not all paths lead to the great outcome of eternal life. It's so interesting you say that. Just recently I was talking with my brother about seeking after things like that which are all really good if you're already grounded, like we talked about earlier, if your foundation is set, because all those things that people are seeking, they exist within uh, the gospel of of Jesus Christ. But when you abandon that and go try to find, you're not going to find that in other sources. If you can just search for it, seek that kingdom first, then you can expand from there. Mm -hmm. And it was just interesting how you brought that up, how so often we go out looking for things that that the Savior has already provided for us. Yeah, and I would say those things can help us sometimes, but they're not sufficient to give us that lasting power. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that quest for the kingdom is so important and sometimes in the world where we live in now, we get lost because people were so focused on just my own internal thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these things can help bring an internal balance, but if that's not connected to a larger vision, just kind of dries up there, right? We have this idea of being, I'm a spiritual person, I don't need to be religious. Right. 
I don't need others. I heard a guy who, who was religious one time say about Latter-day Saints, he said, you guys worship your church, I'll worship Jesus. <laughs> and it was so interesting to me because I feel like tough but fair, yep. right? Yep. Half right. Sometimes we make a big deal Absolutely. of our church, we hold on to the script, mm -hmm. we perform our religion, and we do need to refocus on the Savior. And yet, did you read the New Testament, man? <laughs> because when you go to Jesus, he doesn't say, this is it, you found me. He says, great, follow me, build my kingdom, right? Create this way of being on the earth, take it to other people. And so I do think we need to constantly remember that, that we're building up the kingdom, there's that thing. And it's tough because the very performative ways <laughs> yes. of, of seeking justice and trying to build a better world, those get a lot of attention and build a conversation. A lot of what Jesus is overtly asking us to do is be quieter, be simpler, serve closer, and you can miss that so easily. Do you think sometimes we use Jesus as kind of a scapegoat or his teachings like, hey, you just said love everybody. And so I'm just gonna, you know, like, I don't need to go to church. Or I knew this because I just love people. I think sometimes if we misinterpret his teachings or, or what he's really trying to lead us to, we kind of use it as, as a cop out, you know? And, and that's like, ah, well, you know, Jesus is okay with it. So I'm, gonna, so I'm okay <laughs> with it. And I think there's a fine line you walk when you, you try to misinterpret what he's really saying and what he's really trying to lead us to, you can't stop there. You can't just, he's trying to take us to a higher level and get us to a higher place. And, and the parable of the building our foundation on the rock and the sand talks about like we, you know, keep the commandments because mm -hmm. that is how we love the savior. I don't think you can really separate love from the savior from how you live, right? Because if you love the savior, then we need to follow the Savior and live like Him. Because if we, if we don't, then we're just somebody who knows of the Savior. Mm -hmm. But even the adversary knows who the Savior is, but he won't be rewarded, right? Can I share a poem? Yes. You said you like my poems. Yes. Been so I got a Kingdom this. of God poem okay. uh, that I wanted to share. As I was thinking about this very thing, right? How quiet and subtle it is and how easy it is to even get distracted by a good cause okay. and, and lose focus. The kingdom of God is not the feast. It's the cry that goes out and echoes through the streets that you and I and all the beggars have been summoned tonight to the sovereign's table. The kingdom of God is not the ship. It's the cord hanging off the ship's side, the feeling of waterlogged rope against the hands when you and I are drowning. The kingdom of God is not the tree. It's a seed so small it can slip between our fingers. Any moment we may forget. Tomorrow we might wake and wonder if we ever held it at all. Wow. From what I get from what you just read, it's a continual process to try to seek the kingdom of God. How do we follow that charge when it comes to building the kingdom of God? And what is the Savior trying to get us to do in that aspect? So one thing I found so interesting as a convert is I've got to see everything um, in the way that the church runs through fresh eyes. And partly how I've done that is through different callings that I've had. 
And my testimony is strengthened as I've served in primary, as I've been a teacher, because what you recognize is how we build the kingdom is, you know, we start with ourselves, mm -hmm. then we build up little people <laughs> to have a testimony. And then we see through the church organization how we help each other. I think about my favorite sacrament meeting is often fast and testimony meeting because I hear the ways in which my brothers and sisters are struggling and choosing to remain faithful. So, so part of how we build the kingdom of God is we come together and figure out how to become Christ-like, how to deal with hard struggles. Um, and part of that is just support, but part of that is the structure of the church where you know, primary kids learn to give a prayer and, and they're confident that they could feel the spirit. They learn to give a talk. In young women's, right, you learn to lead, learn to prepare a lesson, and line upon line, we build and we become, you know? So many gospel things are a skill, yeah. right? And it takes time to acquire the skill of measuring the way God wants right? us to measure. Yeah. But I love that in, in community, we learn from each other, mm -hmm. right? And as much as we learn from the scriptures, sometimes it's gotta come to life too, yeah. right? And people had that connection. They, they saw that authority from Jesus. And it's not a different authority that a young women's president has than the authority he has. She lives it. Right. And it astonishes you. It does. It astonishes me. <gasps> Are there any scriptures that stand out to you that you would just like to touch on a little bit as we're discussing these, these chapters? We didn't talk about the Lord's Prayer though. Oh, right. Yes. So I thought just briefly sure. mentioning he says, don't, don't be an actor when you pray. Mm -hmm. Don't follow a long script. But he gives an example. Pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I love that there's that moment to just let the sacredness of the relationship sink in. And we're in chapter six. We're in, really? Sorry, chapter six, verses nine through 13. Because he's, he's not telling us, I want you to recite this verbatim. He's setting up a structure, correct? Yeah. Yeah, this is just a simple, these are the kinds of things that you can pray about. And I wonder, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we don't have a lot of prescribed prayers mm -hmm. the way a lot of faiths yeah. over the years have built it up. Although I'll tell you, in my family, I know exactly what my six-year-old is gonna <laughs> pray at night, right? <laughs> and some night, just the other night, we, we were going in a line to say <laughs> prayers, and she did get up and move to the end. Okay. because she said her prayer and then she went, oh, I gotta pray again because I forgot something. I just prayed the way I do every night, but tonight I wanna say something, right? So we all sometimes yes, pray like course. the heathen do, but, but yeah, he says, here's some topics. Our Father which art in heaven in verse nine, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. It's not just about my relationship to you, but about the community and world you want to create. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There's one criticism sometimes of religion that we just care about heaven, we don't care. Jesus says every time you pray, think about what does God want the earth to look like? How can we take care of it in each other? Give us this day our daily bread. And can we be content with that in a world where we tend to just always want more and more and more? and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. <laughs> and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Which, which is interesting because you have kind of both, right? Don't lead us further in, 
but we know it's right there. It's always close. <laughs> Deliver us out. Almost this physical metaphor, like the children of Israel leading Egypt. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Mm -hmm. And you found those together, right? You found the kingdom, you made the covenant, yeah. and there was this flow of power and the glory forever. Amen. Something that helped me, actually when I was kind of discovering my faith and, and becoming converted, is Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 18. It says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. I mentioned before, I had a testimony of the Savior, but I didn't, I didn't really know about the restored gospel. And so as I was exploring that, I actually got lots of negative feedback from, from people that just said, you know, you shouldn't explore you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's bad, that's bad. And actually, it was really scary for me that people would give me counsel that's like, you're walking down a bad path. There's lots probably of fear. people that you love and respect yeah. too. These are people I care deeply about. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's a lot of fear. And so I was nervous. Like, I, I'm like, I don't want to go down a bad path. Like, I do not want to go down a bad path. And so I had to figure out how can I discern the truth? And this helped me. By your fruits, you shall know them. And so I just started watching people. Mm -hmm. And this helped, so um, I, I saw a lack of fruit in some situations, and it doesn't mean people were bad. You know it, how it is. This, when you have access to covenants, you have an ability to magnify the fruit that you bear. And so this really helped me to discern, and then it gave me confidence. The Savior is saying, by their fruits you shall know them. So I can be confident, right? And that allowed me to feel comfortable exploring the restored gospel and then ultimately being baptized. Melissa, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your inspiring testimony and your story of conversion. And James, as always, it's great to, to have you here with us and to, to really witness the, the effort you put into studying the gospel and, and the scripture. So thank you so much. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion on firm foundations and seeking the kingdom of God. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions you've received. We've also got additional material available for download on byutv.org slash comefollowup. And the discussion is ongoing on Facebook and Instagram. Join us next week as we discuss the healing power of Christ and how faith in Him can calm the storms of our lives. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.